Before we get started, I just wanted everybody to know that this episode is going to have some adult language. So, parental discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. Everyone, I am super excited to let you all know that Crypto 101's Chinese Guide to Cryptocurrency is now available for sale. You could pick it up at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, or pick up a paperback with Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Litecoin. Pick it up for your friends, your family, your kids, or gift it to anyone for the holidays. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and we hear about this next gentleman all the time. He's always pretty controversial, says controversial things, does controversial things. You can see him posting videos about how to drink scotch. You can hear his opinions all over Twitter, and we all know about his bet about Bitcoin price. But do we know about him, what he thinks, what his ideology is, and a little bit about his history, growing up, where he's from? And that's why we wanted to have Mr. John McAfee on the show. It's just to get a 101 on John. Find out a little bit about how he works, who he is, and what he thinks. Before we get into that 101 conversation, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. See the pop-up there for Crypto 101, Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency. Click on it, order yourself a book, and you can go to our social medias. Click our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to keep up to date what's going on with Crypto 101. You can also send us an email at the contact button. Or please think about becoming a patron. Patrons, thank you very much for contributing to Crypto 101. And if you are a patron of six months or over, please make sure to send us an email so we can send you out a copy of Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency. Now, without further ado, here is Mr. John McAfee in McAfee 101. We'll see you after the show. Mr. John McAfee, welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for your time, sir. And Mr. Aaron Paul, how you doing? What's up, dude? Hi, John. Very nice to meet you. How you doing, Aaron? Good, sir. Sir, today what we want to do is we want to go through John McAfee 101. And we want to go through your life, your ideology, the future, your presidential campaign, so everybody can get to know one of the most influential people in the crypto space. Is that okay with you, sir? You bet. Excellent. Sir, if we can start with where were you born? I saw that you were born in England. Are you a dual citizen? And tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yes, I was born in England at the end of World War II. My father was an American serviceman. My mother was British. Came to America when I was two years old and I uh, have lived here. Well, not lived here ever since, but I've, I've been an American citizen. Since I was born in England, I'm also a British citizen. I have both passports. I used to have a bunch of passports, <laughs> all of them valid, by the way, and none of them are legal. <laughs> nice. Now, currently, I just maintain United Kingdom and American citizenship. Uh, the advantages are places Americans can't go where British people can. So I picked the appropriate passport for the appropriate destination. So I, I was raised in Virginia, a lovely, uh, lovely part of America. Went to college, studied mathematics, went to grad school, studied mathematics, and then got a job with General Electric in one of the first process automation plants ever the first process automation computer. These are computers that automate mechanical processes like steel mills, mm -hmm. canning factory, you name it. So I worked on steel mills. And we were coding, obviously, in assembly language on very high-speed computers. Well, high-speed for back then, far slower than the smartphone I'm holding in my hand today. Nevertheless, they changed the world. 
And so I cut my teeth on very low-level programming, the interfaces with uh, devices to the operating system and to the hardware. I moved to Univac and designed operating systems. You've probably never heard of the company, but it was the second largest computer manufacturer for a number of years. And I've been in computers ever since, both hardware and software. The advantage to knowing both is that it is so easy to comprehend anything in the digital world if you understand both the hardware and the software aspects. I started my own company. My first company was a company called Voice Command. It was the world's first voice recognition system. I sold that company to Interstate Voice Products for a fortune, started McAfee, antivirus, I sold that for a fortune to Intel seven years ago for $7.6 billion. Oh, uh, wow. And in between, I've had a variety of other companies, many of them. A company called Tribal Voice, which created the first instant messaging system. I sold that to CMGI. Zone Labs, which I sold to Checkpoint for $400 million in 1997. So I've been in business you know, my whole life. All of my companies have been successful. And technology is, you know, what I cut my teeth on. Uh, computer security became my, my prime focus, with, obviously, with McAfee. And along comes 2010 or 11 or so, the blockchain, Satoshi's white paper, Bitcoin, and then this whole blossoming of cryptocurrency and the application of blockchain to every aspect of our lives. And here I am. <laughs> That's a hell of a journey, man. And. I got a question. What, what about your parents? So you were born in England. You were moved to the United States. You grew up in Virginia. What were your parents like? What was your upbringing like? My upbringing was sort of the average American upbringing. I grew up under Dwight Eisenhower, the last true uh, American president. You know, it was the land of freedom and the time of unlimited opportunity. So I got to see America at its greatest for the uh, 10 years or 15 years after World War II, when America was not just flexing its muscle, but uh, giving its citizens absolute unlimited opportunity to be and become whatever you wanted. John, uh, pardon? Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm fascinated with World War II. And what was it like growing up with a World War II vet as a father? What was that like in your household? Well, it was difficult because World War II was an ugly war. I mean, since yeah. of Dunkirk, 75% of all of the American soldiers were killed. You know, my father was there. He was uh, four years in the trenches, and that oh. changed as a person. He was deeply scarred. My mother was one of the sweetest people on the planet, and a fine, upstanding British lady made tea and crumpets. You know. <laughs> and so it was perfectly livable, and, and I learned a lot from both my mother and my father. I learned my cynicism and uh, my distrust of the world from my dad, and I learned my grace and love of humanity from my mom. So I think I'm fairly well balanced. How did this upbringing shape your current ideology? And is your libertarianism something that was always there, or did it gradually become throughout your adult childhood or your childhood and everything just culminate together? Well, there was no name for libertarianism when I became a libertarian. <laughs> Actually, that's a good question. Actually, what is libertarian? Can you give us Libertarian 101? Okay, Libertarian 101. What is libertarianism? It's based on very simple principles. You are responsible for your own body and your own mind. Number two, we do not interfere with other people's expressions of themselves. Number three, we keep our word and we keep our contracts. That's all. 
basically be what you want, do what you want, don't interfere with other people. What could be simpler? I'm going to ask an ignorant question on that because I don't know anything about libertarianism either. Where does government fit into those three? It does not really. (laughs) (laughs) In the simplest and tiniest of ways. Uh, National defense, obviously, because we are people. And I don't care how gracious and kind we think we may be, we're also greedy and hostile, angry and fearful. So Mm -hmm. there will always be a hostility, both at the individual and at the group and even national level. So you have to have national defense. You need roads. We might need schools. I'm not entirely sure. Homeschooling seems to work for most people. Mm-hmm. We certainly don't need somebody telling us what I can ingest, what I can put in my body or in my mind. If I want to believe Darwinism and it's 1930, I, if you know, libertarians would have said, you've got a right to believe it. You've got mm-hmm. a right to read it. You have a right to do whatever, as long as you do not interfere with others' rights. So basically, I've been one since, I guess, 10 years old. I left home at 18 and and have been back since. Uh, My mother and dad obviously are long since gone. And um, I have made my own way. And I've been jailed for uh, what I would call civil disobedience. You know, I've been arrested four times for using drugs, using, not selling, just using drugs, (laughs) starting with marijuana in 1972 in the state of Virginia, where it was classified as a dangerous narcotic. That was a very scary experience. I barely escaped multiple decades of jail time. But, uh, you know, so yeah, of course I'm in jail. Now, once for drunk driving, that's not exactly civil libertarian stuff. So let's forget that one. So, <laughs> so everything else, purposely. Where do things like healthcare fit in or the Second Amendment fit into libertarianism? Let me ask you what's wrong with healthcare. Why is healthcare, number one, so prohibitively expensive? Is it not because of the insurance costs and the litigious nature of American citizens? If I can make money by suing somebody and a lawyer is going to not charge me and just take a percentage of the case, well, fuck yes. Why not? And that's what's wrong with this country. We have more lawsuits in America than the entire rest of the world combined. Please, God, see the problem here especially in neurosurgeons and people like this, two to three million dollars a fucking year in health Mm -hmm. insurance expenses. Who pays for that? You and I. Mm -hmm. That's got to stop. Listen, I grew up again in the 50s, okay? Even in the early 60s, doctors used to come to your house in terms of $25. I mean, they were just ordinary citizens. Now they have to be super citizens because they have to balance this incredible burden of a society trying to get to them. So hell yes, but I charge money. If I want a profession where everybody's out trying to be a parasite on me, I'm gonna fuck people too. John, I have a question because it just happened to me and since we're on the healthcare subject, my grandfather had a heart attack just last month and sadly he didn't make it. But during that whole month, he was in the ICU at the Cleveland Clinic and we wanted to get him on comfort care. We knew his wishes were to get him off of the tubes, get him off of the feeding, stop him just being kept alive, and just let him naturally take its course. The hospital wouldn't let us. The bill was probably around $2 million. What do you say about hospital care? And I guess there's two different things that the hospital is trying to do there. One, make sure that there was no foul play from the family. 
oh, he has insurance. If we want to just pull him and pull the plug because, you know, we wanted to get whatever he has. And then there's the other one of maybe his rights. How would you justify that? Well, you don't justify it. Here's the problem. This is a result of a power system that needs to disintegrate. If the system were not here, this would not be happening. Do you think in a world of libertarian values, which I just discussed to you, it would be allowed or possible for a hospital to hold someone going, no, we, we haven't billed you the two million yet, so we're going to keep him. No, absolutely not. Those people would be shut down. Mm-hmm. So they have no solution. I have no justification. I'm not even interested in it. I want to change the world. I don't want to try to fix a corrupt structure. There are two things. I don't want to fix the healthcare system. The healthcare system itself is corrupt. I want to get rid of it and try to see what we need, if anything, to replace it. So when you mentioned the three principles of libertarianism, you said you're basically extreme ownership. You're responsible for yourself, national defense, and infrastructure. When you talk about national defense, well, really, you're talking about collecting money. Where does taxes fit into the Fed, the national debt, et cetera? How, How is that funded? They don't fit into it. Taxation is theft. What right does the government have to force you to work three to four months every year for them, for free? Please, God. We're slaves. See the truth of our situation. All of these things are complete, meaningless appendages of a system that if it were gone, so would those appendages. We need to get rid of the pyramidal power structure of the world. Because once you have that power structure with power at the top, you have corruption. Mm-hmm. Unlimited corruption with mm-hmm. unlimited power. Good God Almighty, that's what's wrong with the world. But how do you pay? I mean, military, spending health care. Where does the money come from? Why don't you look at history? Do you realize that until the Civil War, America went for 100 years without a single fucking tax? Good God, (laughs) man. No way. People go, oh, how do you do it? Bullshit. Look at history. Taxation is a new fucking thing in the world of democracies. No. So, no, we didn't have any. And we were flush with cash. Why? You wanted to go to a national park, you paid. You wanted to cross a bridge with a toll, you paid. Why don't we do the same fucking thing? Do you realize how many billions of miles we drive on highways every year that were built by the government? Let's charge everybody a penny per mile. You can fucking afford it. Everybody can. So you don't believe in the income tax, but you believe in sales tax? No, I don't believe in sales tax. It would be like a usage charge or a fee or? Well, yes. If I choose not to use the highways, I'll be damned if I'm paying taxes for them Mm. or paying anything for them. Only if you use them. Put a fucking meter on your car. How many miles did you drive last year? It's going to be a penny a mile. It already cost you a dollar a mile for your gas, your maintenance, your insurance for your cars. You think a penny's going to hurt us? No, it's not a tax. It's a usage charge. You want to go across the bridge? It's a dollar. You want to pay it? We'll go around. That's the way it's always been. So that if I choose not to use it, I'm choosing not to pay. So keep your your fists out of my pocket. It's always been that way, my friend. This is a recent thing about income tax. Where does crypto fit into this? How does crypto, in your ideology, libertarianism, your life philosophy, where did the crypto come in and you said, this is what I was looking for. This is the liberty that we need. This is the power that we need to take the freedom that we need. Number one, you cannot steal from me if you don't know what I have. If I use Monero, for example, 
well, fuck you. You're not going to know anything about what I do. Okay. <laughs> and so if you're the government, you have no idea what my income is. You have no idea what I bought and sold. And it's none of your business anyway. It frees us from the power structure, from a financial standpoint and finance. What we can buy, control, and own is the basis of all power. If we take that power for ourselves, then governments collapse. Man, you said a lot there. So we got crypto. The government doesn't like crypto. They want to regulate it. It's a problem for governments. Uh, how do you fight against them? Whoa, 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 whoa. There's no fight. All we do is adopt crypto and we fucking use it. End of government. Please see this. True. Now, we can't go mm -hmm. with Bitcoin or Ethereum or an ERC-20 because they can trace all that shit. Yeah. But it takes a good privacy coin. No. Let's all start using privacy coins. Let's make that, this group of coins, our standard, and we don't have to fight. The government simply disappear. How can you collect taxes when you don't know what anybody has made? They're counting on you to be honest? Oh, please, God. How do you foresee that? Like, you know, I forget which shooting there was where the shooter had his cell phone and there was this big debate on how the government can say to Apple, you have to tell us how to unlock this phone. What prevents the government from saying, okay, citizens, you want to use cryptocurrency? We're going to force the biggest tech companies in the United States to find where your money is. They can't. Nobody can find where Monero money is. They need some research on the privacy coins. That's why they're here. There's no way you can do it. I mean, sure, maybe if they create an alternate universe and transport us all to it where the laws of mathematics are different, yes. I don't think that's going to happen. John, in 2020, you're running for president of the United States. What is your campaign built on? And what are your goals for the campaign or for America? My campaign's built on the premise that I will not ever be elected president, and therefore I'm not trying. I hope you are, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't throw in the towel yet. We didn't even start. I hope you run for serious. No, no, no. no, no. I'm going to be honest with people up front. Please, God, if you think I want to be president, stop taking drugs. <laughs> you know, they said the same thing about Donald Trump, didn't they? I ran in 2016. I did not get the libertarian nomination because Governor Johnson, who's been the king of, of the libertarian movement for so long, got it yet again. Okay. He won't get it. He will not. I will. And even if I don't, I've still got a year during the libertarian debates and things which are nationalized where I have the national stage like I did last time. If I have the national stage, I'm going to say exactly what I'm saying to you, only to the world. What will your message be on the national stage? Exactly what I've told you, sir. Here, I'm me. This is John McAfee. I've been in jail more times than I can count. I've been accused of murder, rape, coercion, assassination of my ministers, international drug trade. Man Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply manufacturing drugs. This is me. Now, any questions about that? Let's get that over with. Now, what do I want to say? I want to say, please, see, you are all slaves, but you have the power to take back your lives, open your cages, and set yourself, your family, your children, and everyone that you love free. Don't you think that the United States or presidents, or the average consumer, the blue-collar person, needs more of that realism. Look, let's be honest. The average person in the United States probably been to jail, probably smoked weed, probably got a DUI. Shit, I know more people that with DUIs than I think I know people that graduated from college. <laughs> but when you say something like that, I won't be elected president because I've been to jail, I've been accused, I've done this and I've done that. It's not just that. The two-party system rules this country. No one's going to break it. There's not enough money in the world, and I certainly don't have it. However, I do have some rights left under our Constitution, and that right is the right to fucking run Mm -hmm. for president. You stated that cryptocurrency awareness is the basis of your campaign. How are you going to do that with your campaign? By simply saying the same things I've said to you. That cryptocurrency gives us as individuals the economic power. And if you have the economic power, you have all the power. And the beauty with cryptocurrency, the blockchain, permissionless transactions, trustless situations, is that no one can ever control. John, I love it. And I agree with you. But now the contention becomes the news, right? When you stand on that stage and you talk about the cryptocurrency and blockchain and you put that out there, what's the news going to say? How do we combat the FUD that's going to come out? No, you don't have to combat the news. If I'm up on the stage, people are watching what the news says about it. That's their fucking problem. If you want to watch me and then believe that what the news interprets, you know, I can't help you. I just want people to hear my words, not through the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but through Me and this microphone I'm going to be talking on on this stage and the television you're watching. Do you understand how I do not need the news? People think they need the news. That's because it's a leftover habit from a bygone era. We do not. We do not. 
John, what do you think of the crypto space these days in general? It's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Could you elaborate, please, sir? Yeah, we're all stuck on making money. People want, oh, good, we're going to get institutional investors into Bitcoin. Everything's going to be well. Fuck no, it's going to tear up everything. It's the institutional investors that are the representatives of that bygone era that we are trying to replace. No, use these fucking things. By using them, the value will increase. You're saying you're waiting for some fucking artificial market created by a few exchanges, all of which are corrupt, to wait for the rise of Bitcoin? Fuck that shit. No. Use it. Make it your standard. Stop using the dollar. Stop using the yen. Stop using the euro. That will make Bitcoin go to a million bucks. What do you think about the people in this space, the tech, the advancements? It's a long way from 2009, the first Satoshi white paper. What do you think about the way we're progressing? Well, like I said, it's sucky. We're all, we're all trying to make money off of markets. God, let's hope it rises. We'll make money. That's not the purpose. Fuck I, me. Do you think Satoshi wrote that paper so we could all make money? Fuck no. I, I guess I'm not you asking about the money. I'm asking about the tech. I'm asking about the advancements in wallets and apps and dApps. And- it's awesome. It's tremendous. The only missing link is a valid mechanism for creating distributed exchanges. And once that happens, then you're going to see cryptocurrency flourish. Because when distributed exchanges come online, there will be no way ever to legislate cryptocurrency. It cannot ever be done. What's the future of the decentralized exchanges in your mind? I'd say second quarter of next year we'll have real ones. Mm. And what's the impact? How do you think it will impact the space? Well, we'll see an explosion in value. We'll see mm. governments freaking out when they realize that no matter what laws they want to pass, they're meaningless. Like the laws they pass against we can't smoke weed. They're meaningless because they can't be enforced. Mm. Can they? Too many no. of us are smoking. So now, same thing. You cannot possibly legislate crypto once distributed exchanges come on because you can't find an exchange to shut down it doesn't exist anywhere it's distributed around the world on millions of devices end of story for governments john is there anybody that you respect in the crypto space vitalik roger veer i I respect mostly the ones that are disliked roger veer jihan wu jihan wu is the most humble man i've ever met and certainly the most powerful man by far in all of crypto, no matter what people want to believe. Do you think that power is good? They call Bitcoin centralized because of Bitmain and these huge farms in China. Is that a good thing? You're talking about mining, not using. Please, God, mining is a fucking business. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's going to centralize. Why do you give a shit? All they do is create coins for you. Stop, <laughs> worrying, stop worrying about the mining. And start worrying about the using. But isn't that part Fuck of the decentralized? Isn't that part of the power of the people is to make sure that everybody has control so it's not controlled by, say, Jihan or one company? or Why do you think it's controlled by Jihan? Just because he owns all the machines. They're <laughs> because mining. he owns all the machines. <laughs> what? Say it again? Because he owns all the machines. That's why I think. For creating the fucking currency, dude. Not the machine. <laughs> Please, God, say the difference. We still have fully distributed rights of use. Who cares what creates them? Who cares if they get shot out of the belly of a volcano in Hawaii? I don't. You should. (laughs) John, what projects are you looking at as game changers in the space, aside from the decentralized exchanges, or is it only the decentralized exchanges? So 
I think the fastest growing of all coins in all history will eventually be academic. Why? Because they're up and running already. You know, if you're even with psychology, if you're standing on a bridge in San Francisco and your wife left you, took the dog, took your money, ran off with a neighbor, took your truck, and you lost your job. You're going to throw yourself off the bridge, but you remember, oh, shit, the academic act, who knows? Press the emergency button. What happens? A shrink comes online. Hey, what's your problem? And my wife left me, hey, son, why don't you step down from the bridge and let's talk? It's fucking free, dude. You tell me <laughs> company is not going to be a trillion-dollar company, except it's not a company. Isn't that wonderful? It's a fucking coin, which all of us get to own. So yeah, Docademic, that would be the number one. BZOP, companies that replace these centralized organs like Amazon. Not that I've got anything against Jeff Bezos, but you can figure it out yourself. Look at those areas of life where you would like things changed and different than, than going by those coins. John, Crypto 101 is placed in a space where people coming into the crypto space gets 101 information of, well, wallets or slang or exchanges or people just like this podcast this is going to be called john mcafee 101 what would you want somebody new to the space just getting into it listening to this podcast maybe the first podcast they're going to listen to you want them to know about the space and about john okay. mcafee okay first and foremost no one ever under any circumstances gives away money for free so if you're in a crypto space and you're cruising around and someone goes Hi, I'm Elon Musk. If you'll send me a tenth of a Bitcoin, I'll send you a full one. If you fall for that, please, God, go back to grade school. So that's the first and foremost. Number two, it is the Wild West. It is sort of every man and woman for themselves. So you're going to find parasites, scam artists, crooks, thieves of every possible nature. You have to have some sensibility and common sense. Number three. When you do get a wallet, make sure it's one you can keep offline because almost every wallet has been hacked. Now, if you don't have a lot of money, chances are the hackers will pass you by. They don't want to spend the time in trouble. If you have substantial funds and you do not use caution, you will lose them. So those are my words. John, I want to go backwards a little bit into our conversation because I really want to clarify a point. And again, I'm, for all intents and purposes, excuse my ignorance, I'm a little bit of a noob still in the space, I, and I'm not a tech guy. But it seems to me, when I was talking to you about how our current government or the government versus the people in the crypto usage, that the government could coerce or get some of the most brilliant minds to try and stop the use of or track down crypto usage. How can they not? And I want to frame that by saying cyber warfare is real and it is here and it's only going to get more pronounced. Right. So I just I guess in my mind, I envision a war there in cyberspace well, and attacking the money, the flow. That's because you started off by saying you're not a tech person, right? If you're a tech person, you would see, for example, in a computer, if I have a wire and an air gap between that wire and another wire. There is no technology on Earth that will force an electron to leave that wire, span a bunch of air, and enter another. It's physically impossible. With privacy coins, in the same manner, mathematically, because one and one will always be two, 
And in order for the government to break one of these, one and one will have to be three. It can't happen. It is not possible. You cannot hack a wooden post. So when people say nothing is unhackable, I'm sorry, a wooden post is unhackable. There's no electrons in it, or you know, there's no, no wires. So it just can't be done. Now, I could spend three or four hours explaining this to you technically, if you wish. It involves sub, you know, recursive subroutines and a whole host of technologies. But I promise you, it can't be done ever. I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> John, we missed a little part of that last question we asked you. Is the 101 for the average person getting into the crypto space? But I also wanted to know a 101 of what you wanted that average person to know about you. About me? About you. Nothing. Nothing. I, you well. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to know about the field, the subject, about the actions, the potential power the potential freedom-producing effects. That's what I want them to know. In the ideal future of blockchain, cryptocurrency, the United States, the world, what would it look like? If you woke up in the morning, went outside, got your paper, <laughs> never mind, there's no paper anymore, got your eggs and your bacon or whatever you eat for breakfast, what would your world look like in your ideal space? It would be much faster, not in physical movement but in creativity. I wouldn't have to wait to transfer the source or the energy required to create a contract, a commitment um, of a team effort. I just simply, in 30 seconds, send whatever monies, whatever resources, with the contracts attached, that's smart fucking contracts. Don't have to worry about that shit anymore. So we don't need lawyers, do we? It would be a world of absolute peace where you'd be waving at your neighbors knowing that you know, if your neighbor is naked and copulating on the yard, that's his fucking business. And if you don't want your children watching, keep them inside. All right? <laughs> so it'd be peace. There wouldn't be police running around arresting people for stepping outside the norm because there would no longer be a norm. It would be a society of ultimate creativity and color, the opposite of China for 50 years after the ousting of Chiang Kai-shek. Mm. That sounds beautiful. Um, John, we were already talking about math, and I have in front of me a book, A Mind for Numbers, How to Excel at Math and Science by Barbara Oakley. What books are you into? Do you read? No, sir. Do you realize how time-consuming reading is? Please, God, we've gone beyond reading. Now, I do have a library of books that have not been and never will be placed on the web. These are books of secret knowledge that I share with other people who are not putting these things on the Internet. Why? I don't know. It sounds like a good thing to do. But other than that, and these books I've already read. Mm. So for the past 10 years, I haven't read a book. Jesus, God, man, that would take me an entire day. Do you think I can so, spare a day out of my life? So if no reading, then what do you recommend people to do to learn or for accelerated learning? I would say set aside what you can afford to lose. We're talking about the blockchain now, right? I'm in, gener in general. You can, call, you can call blockchain too. Take that money. Buy or download a fucking wallet. And fully intend to lose your money, by the way. Okay. Download a wallet. So if it's only $10, use $10. Download a wallet. Put the $10 in in something. Get on an exchange. Or why don't you go to, if you're afraid of, of doing things over the internet, go to localbitcoins.com. 
there are people who will drive to your house on bicycles, motorcycles, and Mercedes with bags full of money or with wallets that they can give you bitcoins and take money from you. That's the first thing I did, literally. I had no idea there was a subculture. You probably don't know it, but I don't care where you are. If you go to localbitcoins.com, someone will come to your house with a bag of cash to buy your bitcoins. So do that if you want. Okay, again, keep in mind, you're going to lose your money. Then start playing with it. Convert it to this, convert it to that, buy whatever you can with it until it's gone. When it's gone, you will understand cryptocurrency fully. John, I I don't know if you know, but I, I lived in China for 13 years. And I used to buy Bitcoin with WeChat. You would send somebody a WeChat of RMB, and they would send you Bitcoin back to your Bitcoin yes. address. It's kind of like local yes. Bitcoins in China. Yeah, I've got 30,000 followers on my Chinese Weibo account. Oh, really? Weibo is like WeChat, only it's the Twitter, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna, so, well, I, I have one, too. I'm going to follow you. you follow me, absolutely. John McAfee, official McAfee. And it's great. Because you have lived in foreign countries, you have seen different cultures, different systems that actually fucking work. So having done so, you can therefore let your mind easily conceive of a system totally unlike anything that the world is seeing, where every individual controls his own economic destiny. Good God almighty, is that not utter freedom? John, I want to say before I ask this last question that I sincerely appreciate the 50 minutes of your day to chat just basically general shit with us learn about you your ideology things that happened in your life i didn't really want to go too much into a lot of you know the buzzword stuff that people talk about with you we just wanted to get to know you a little bit and i really appreciate you just you know letting your hair down a little bit you're welcome i'm only doing this because jana said you guys are going to send me a bottle of scotch (laughs) (laughs) oh you know what I learned how to drink scotch because of your tweet. Thank you very much. With the soda, slamming it down, the foam. I went to the bar, I showed people it, and we did shots. Was that not awesome? That was great. That's awesome. <laughs> so I, so I, I really appreciate it, man. I owe you a bottle, and I owe you a drink. All right, sir. Sir, my last question for this interview is we have a Crypto 101 Spotify playlist and everybody who comes on the show adds songs to that playlist to show either what their personality is or what they want, something they want to say. What songs would you like to add to that playlist? Please tell me you listen to music. Buffalo Springfield's Something's Happening Here. Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. Perfect. That would be my song because that's going to be the war song. It won't be a war like of bullets and blood. But it'll be a war of courage and commitment. <laughs> and it starts out something happening here. What it is, it's not exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I gotta beware. It starts like that. That's our situation now. Perfect. It's added. And I'm gonna get your address from Janice so I can send you that bottle of scotch from Taiwan, yes, by the way. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> John, thank you very much for your time, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, John. Do you speak Cantonese? No, I speak Mandarin. Uh, okay, well, good. Ask your girlfriend to translate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find the Cantonese girlfriend then. <laughs> Thanks, John. Xie Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. John, Janice, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I do have a bottle of scotch on its way to you. 
If you want more of the insides behind the scenes and my opinion of talking to Mr. McAfee, please go to Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron on YouTube for that video. In our next episode, we have on Mr. David Gerard, the author of Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain. He is a critic of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and I am excited to have an alternate point of view on the show to discuss the space with me. Like always, ApogeeCrypto.com for your real-time prices, CryptoNews.com for your news, and I want to say thank you very much to Savan for editing this episode. We will see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.